The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Friday. Boy, it's been a up and down emotional roller coaster type of week. This is one of those shows. It's it's opposite of what was that Wednesday show where we're like, wow, yesterday was such a good day. Oh man. Yesterday was a tough one for everybody. Well, not for every all of us uh, University of Hawaii sports fans, which we will definitely get to in just a little bit. And here are some of the post game comments from UH men's basketball head coach Iran Ganat following last night's um, interesting loss to UC Santa Barbara. Uh, we'll also obviously discuss the women's game as well as they lost on the road at UCSB, which was, as, as I mentioned yesterday, a rematch of last year's Big West Conference Tournament Championship game. Um, but nonetheless, a loss that, eh, you know what? They'll, they'll bounce back. But let's start off with the good news. Oh, and then, of course, probably the second half of the show, we will definitely get, get into a lot of NFL discussion because we are that much closer to the Super Bowl, baby, as we have the NFL championship uh, matchups, the AFC-NFC games this Sunday. So we'll give you guys, Paul and I are the only ones with both of our teams still in our prediction. So we'll see what happens. And Paul and I differ on one of the teams and the final results. One so, of us will remain. One of weekend. us will remain. So we will tell you guys about our team predictions and how it changed from our preseason Super Bowl predictions uh, to start off with because I was looking at them yesterday and it was kind of funny. I was just chuckling at how much things can change throughout an NFL season because some of the preseason predictions weren't you know, totally far-fetched when you think about it, but long season, things happen, injuries happen, so it, it will fill you guys in on the comparisons with that. So anyways, uh, for the good news, <laughs> the University of Hawaii men's volleyball team won on the road at Purdue for Fort Wayne, their first game against uh, that squad. They will play again. Hawaii actually dropping the first set, 25-22, and then waking up and realizing we, uh, we're not supposed to lose to this team. And with the, taking the last three sets, 25-13, 25-21, 25-14. So that's the good news that happened yesterday. You know, like, hey, we got to win. University of Hawaii got to win. I wish it, I wish it was <laughs> against Ball State because Ball State's I know, the ones that would have been the Because I was going to make the joke. I was going to be like, Oh, they were just they were taking in the volleyball capital of the world in the first yeah. set. But that's Ball State. So, you know, we still got to right. wait a couple of games to uh, play Ball State. But nonetheless, a win is a win, which it was a tough one again yesterday. The before we get into the men's basketball game, unfortunately, the women's basketball uh, team lost on the road. But Lily Wahine Kapu got her 1,000 career points, so that's a lot to be said. Ooh. I know if you were to ask her, like any you know team player would be like, "Well, we didn't get the win," so it kind of it kind of takes away from the air. But it's still an accomplishment. It's still something to be proud of. But Hawaii falling 65-53 on the road at UC Santa Barbara. We'll talk about that game in just a little bit. But whew, the tough game that was the men's basketball game at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. UCSB coming into our house and just... <sighs> Took our lunch money. Oh, my gosh. It I, was... It's 
Last night was a disappointing night. And I think it was disappointing for a lot of different yeah. groups. Hold but, that thought. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I know we're going to start yeah, yeah. going we'll, on we'll about it. We'll go down the, but, the whole rabbit uh, hole. UCSB sure. coming in, as Paul said, taking our lunch money, beating down Hawaii 78-61. I mean, it felt like we were... I don't even want to say we were trying to scratch our way back because it just, it was deflating. I would say that they tried. For like two minutes. We'll <laughs> try talk about is a that try. again. Anyways, following that loss, here is what uh, University of Hawaii men's basketball head coach Aron Ganat had to say during the post-game media scrum. So, Coach, um, even before we learned about more, um, we had talked about offensive boards being an issue. Um, and tonight, especially with all those misses in the first half. It's boards for us. Yeah. Um, especially in the first half with all those misses, 18 misses and zero second chance points. Yeah. So uh, do you think, especially especially now with more out, um, it's, it's going to take everybody to crash the boards and get some of those offensive yeah. boards and second chance points? I know we talked about, thanks for the reminder. You're right. Uh, this has been our worst offensive rebounding team. By far, not even close. And six offensive boards on the amount of misses we have is unacceptable. And so sometimes you can balance that and play through things when you get second chance. We've always been a good offensive. We've always been a good offensive rebound team and an ex- excellent defensive rebound team. Um, and obviously, more helps in both those areas. But you know, that's where you go. Say inside out. You know, whether it's penetration, free throw line, post ups, offensive boards, and. Yeah, I thought we came out of the gates 7-2. I thought we played, you know, and then that stretch in a year of some bad offensive stretch was the most rammer, non-sharing, and we deserve what we got. Like, that got them going. Our offense got them going during that stretch. Our, uh, it's disappointing. Obviously, I'm very disappointed. Um, very disappointed. Give them, so I should have said this first, give Santa Barbara credit. Um, appreciate our fans. Um, we got to own it. I got to own it and get back to work. And I, I thought I appreciated the guys, you know, making a 10 point differential up to end the first half. And second half was kind of back and forth for the most part. Yeah, pretty close game, but you can't spot anybody that many points in that kind of differential. And, you know, we're, where we're from the line, you know, 12 for 20. Five for twenty-five from three, just half our shots. You know, we gotta continue to find the balance there and but we're struggling clearly, we're in it, we're in the struggle, the struggle more than we've had since I've been here, because usually when we're exposing some areas we've broken through. Uh, we're exposing it, exposing it, exposing it, exposing it, and we're having the same conversations and you know, we gotta navigate losing a key guy as part of life sometimes. I appreciate everybody's love and support for him. He's a great kid and going through a tough time. And I know he wishes he was out there. Um, but my final thought before you guys continue to ask me great questions is uh, give him credit, give Santa Barbara credit. We got work to do. Right after the game, I saw you kind of making the rounds to the fans of the lower bowl perimeter. Just so I, I you know, like actually apologize for a couple of them. Is that just kind of the you know, what you want to convey after that? No, you know, I I think I usually go around. I think this year they've started the alma mater earlier. So I'm like, because I have to do some media before. And this is the first year I'm like, I feel like I'm 
not able to go around. So going into this week, I actually said, the alma mater could wait, let me go around and say thank you. And, you know, I think, I think our fans are hanging with us. I think we're not doing our part. Like uh, I've said for forever, we've got the greatest fans, the greatest place, the greatest university, the greatest state. They've always uh, very knowledgeable. They appreciate um, a team that fights, has great effort, plays like a team. And we're not doing it to the level that we usually do. And so for them to continue to stick with us, you know, I'm always going to, when I go around, when anything I do, I go around. I always use every opportunity. Never pass up an opportunity to say please and thank you to anybody. Uh, but today I came into this week actually saying, okay, alma mater, maybe I should talk to someone. I don't know who speed up the alma mater, maybe I'm slower. But it goes before I can even get around, so I just said, you know, I'm going to go around. So, uh, But I'll, I'll always go around and thank people for supporting us. And that was University of Hawaii men's basketball head coach Aron Ganat following their tough but disappointing loss yesterday to UC Santa Barbara. And I say tough because it was one of those, you know, we they it, it, the full post game, I'll post later on our YouTube channel. But uh, he was asked about AJ Mitchell, which was one thing you guys heard us. You guys heard us talk about AJ Mitchell extensively on this show, and I still, after seeing him last night, I still double down on what I've been saying is that this guy is a future NBA player. He's just so good, but at the same time, it's not a secret. Everybody knows that he is a good player and a player that can, he is their team. I texted Paul yesterday where, all right, like they have AJ Mitchell, but there's a reason why they're underperforming in a sense because they're really, as a team, they're not like, amazing they're not they're not as daunting in length like you see all of with csun and long beach so they were a beatable team for us because they have they okay they have aj mitchell so game planning wise hey stop the guy that's the future nba player which you're not going to completely shut him out like he's going to score no he's gonna get his when you start the game off with just basically him driving to the basket untouched and you're like oh yeah he can do that. I forgot. Like it was, that's when you kind of had an indication of, oh my gosh, is this game going to go this way? And then Hawaii, you know, ends up scoring, takes that lead seven two, and you're like, oh right, that it's kind of flowing. And then we decided to stop scoring after seven points and let UCSB start taking command and control of that entire game. And we shelled up for a long time because it wasn't necessarily a lack of, you know, us not getting good looks and we're just missing I mean of course we missed a lot of shots but it was more of us just hey UCSB go ahead do whatever you want like it's cool like we're not trying to play against you or whatnot that was the frustrating part when you're watching it it just seemed like the life got sucked out of him and I or uh, sucked out of them and I know that they are without more sec he is done for the season with a torn ACL and we wish him all the best in his recovery but that's not something that should take all of that wind out of you I mean more sec he was starting to get better than he was last season but at the end of the day he wasn't a guy that was like your entire team he came off the bench you know he's sometimes he was a defensive liability so it wasn't their lack of having more sec. I just like I it was just hard to figure out 
watching this game feels like a regression of this team. I think that's the hard part for a lot of fans to look at. And even when you look at the future, where Hawaii ranks right now in the Big West, they're second to the last, only ahead of the winless Cal Poly. And guess what? If the tournament started today, we would not make the tournament. And that part is just, ugh. It's been a frustrating year. It it absolutely has been a frustrating year. You can tell if you've talked with the coaches, the players, you've just looked at the product out on the floor, you can see the frustration. Um, Last night, things fell apart after a nice start. Uh, And and then, to the Bo's credit, I want to say they did pull it back together. They played punch for punch, and I I, I think people look at a 20-point game or a 16-point game and... They're like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you're trading baskets. Then, you know, the other team took their foot off the pedal. And I don't think that that's what happened last night. UCSB didn't take their foot off the pedal the entire time. The UCSB team did an excellent job continuing to go at Hawaii every single time. Because the Bows, to their credit, and to the credit of the the crowd who was in, in attendance last night, they didn't give up. They continued to fight. They continued to try and cut into the lead, and the offense started to figure things out in the second half. But it goes back to what you brought up when the very start, where A.J. Mitchell just went and backed down and imposed his will when it came down to it. And that's what the entire Gauchos team did to Hawaii. And that's just why it's very weird to see Mm -hmm. because Coach Gannat's talked about it a lot. The thing that they hang their hat on often is their defense. When things aren't going correctly, they know that they can return back to their defensive identity. That's been their thing all season. I mean, going into last night, I believe it was the you know one of the top scoring offenses versus the top scoring defenses in the Big West. So it, it was you know strength v strength, and UCSB just came out stronger in, mm-hmm. in that one. I do want to. You you mentioned the loss of Morsec. I do think his loss is going to be a little bit bigger, and last night especially was a bit bigger because he's the the ripcord that the coaching staff can pull when you're struggling inside the paint. They they did have a lot of struggles last night, getting out-rebounded pretty significantly on the defensive glass, not getting a ton of offensive rebound opportunities, mm-hmm. and, and then not to mention 54 points in the paint given up. That's unacceptable. Morsec is your best shot blocker, your best paint defender, and that's with all due respect to Bernardo Da Silva. Da Silva, a very intelligent defender, but a little bit undersized at the center position in terms of shot blocking and rebounding at times. And if Morsec is going to be out the whole season, he is, now you need a team effort to make up what is lost Mm -hmm. on the defensive glass, what is lost creating those secondary opportunities. And if you don't get those offensive rebounds, that means you have to be even better taking care of the basketball. And that's just another thing that the Bows have struggled with this season. Overall, it's been a frustrating year, and Coach Gannat said it last night, where in past years, the team has gotten exposed, and then they would kind of fix things, right? They'd get exposed and say, okay, this is where we're going to get better and then it would be better the next time out. This season, and especially during this Big West stretch where they have really struggled, it's felt a lot more like, all right, we've been exposed here. They have that conversation. 
and then they get exposed there again the next game. And that, at that point, is on players to execute. I would say it's on coaches to figure something out, but if you've been paying attention to Hawaii men's basketball, there have been a lot of different rotation changes, a lot of different combinations of players out there, a lot of different guys getting opportunities to try and show that they can compete and that they can help this team win. And so far, nobody has grabbed that opportunity by the horns. And it's led to a 2-6 and six start to Big West play for the men's basketball team. Including one starter that has been starting the last how many games? And no minutes yesterday. So it's those kinds of things that have been tough to figure out. But we got to step aside. So we'll come back to continue our conversation about Hawaii basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Find love in a hopeless place here with fall in love again with men's basketball. Hoping. Open, hope, and hope. I'm not giving up on you guys yet. We're not giving up, but we do need to vent our grievances as a lot of fans. I know. And and that's the thing. Like, I think that's the frustrating part. Again, it's because we have essentially the same core squad, and yet it feels like we've regressed. And that's the part that's frustrating because we don't, our players are good. We have good players and they, we've seen them, we've seen it work. We've seen them play really well and again, compete against teams like, you know, in the non-conference season, in the turn, the Diamond Head Classic. I mean, and prior to that, Nevada, your TCU, like very solid teams. And for us to go through the season and now we're seeing what we're seeing, that's the part that's frustrating because, you're, I'm not, I mean, you have, you know, like Jovan missing free throws. I mean, Bernardo, three for nine from the free throw, you know, as coach or coach Kyle likes to tease me, like Coach Koo and her make your free throws. I'm like, yes, when you go 12 for 20 from the line, like, hey, we got to make a few more even, than that. Even making half of those all of a sudden can kind of change the tide. Mm-hmm. It brings things within single digits at some point if you're like, maybe your momentum swings. So it, it was. I don't know. It, it was a very different, frustrating loss than like the Rainbow Wahine yesterday, where like the Rainbow Wahine on the road playing a tough yeah. team, you knew that it was Gonna going split. to be right. You knew it was going to be a tough game, especially you're down Brooklyn Rewers and whatnot. And yeah. Like here's the thing, because there are there are parallels between the two basketball teams' losses yesterday. It's just one is far more frustrating because one side. It's the the problems that have been there all season. The other side, it just looks like you're playing another top team in your conference. You just got off the plane, and you've been yeah. playing great basketball. So guess what? Sometimes you're due for a loss. Yeah, that's the difference and between hey, the two losses. They've been yesterday. winning, and they look fine. Exactly. And well, again, that's the thing. They don't have a solid player in the middle. They made you know, and they didn't shoot very. They shot awfully, actually. The women did um, from the free throw line. Well, not I don't want to say awfully, but you just make from their a, standards. Yeah, you make a few more, you know, free throws because if you look at the other side, I mean, they shot perfectly. If perfect fifteen for fifteen, UC Santa Barbara did, and Hawaii was nine for thirteen. So you know, if you shot a hundred percent from the free throw line, and Hawaii only made four threes yesterday with Melani McBee. 
words she's the staple saying Melani McBee four three. She was over from the three point line, over three. So hey, if she had a normal Melani McBee day, made a couple of threes, Hawaii makes all their free throws, you that game is a lot closer. So it's little things, right? That you're like, oh, this game it it could have very much been tied. Then you play differently. You manage the game differently down the stretch if you're the opposing team is only up like a couple of points. So like you said, like the women's loss, it doesn't feel the same. And selfishly, I was almost I was almost relieved that they got punched in the mouth by UCSB on the road because you, you, you kind of want to get tested just like how Coach B loads up the non-conference schedule and just hey you got to get tested I think Hawaii is just so significantly better than the rest of the conference so they've just been cruising by we saw you know Viv Barrett get a lot of reps because she's still learning but Hawaii had such significant leads that you can get these players in there right so now it was nice to come like midway through this conference season that hey time to play a good team and feel what it feels like so now it's almost like I don't want to say it wakes them up, but it exposes what you need to work on, especially if you don't have someone like Brooklyn that's playing. So for from a player and a coaching perspective, this was good. It was a it's it sucks to say it was a good loss or moral victories, but when you're looking at the end goal of the tournament, this ultimately was some who you will likely face maybe in the championship again because they are I'm Very not taking good. anything from Santa Barbara Very they were good. really good I brought up Alexis Whitfield yesterday and oh she God, did dude. awesome she's so good Alyssa Marin she was also a solid player as well her you know total points 12 points Alexis Whitfield 23 for the Gauchos like 23 and 19 rebounds solid and six for six from the free throw line like she's a, an amazing all-around player <laughs> yeah. so, i remember i looked at that and i had to like go back i checked it on multiple websites to make sure that it wasn't like a glitch to make you know, <laughs> like because i knew she was she was everywhere in that game yeah the points i was fine 19 rebounds was absolute insanity Crazy. and that's where you saw brooklyn Ruers absence really play mm-hmm. a big role and it's you're right it's good for the rainbow wahine to get for lack of a better phrase, punched in the mouth, yeah. where now they get a chance to look in the mirror. I mean, Coach Ganat, I mean, we just talked about the men's basketball team a lot and how in years past they would get exposed in areas and then they go back to work and they fix it. Well, for the Rainbow Wahine, this is a primo example and a prime opportunity for them to do exactly that, where it's, okay, you got exposed. Mm-hmm. Boom. They, you know, UCSB was more physical than them yesterday. They got a lot of the things that they wanted. Their defense was great. And there were too many turnovers for the Rainbow Wahine. Mm-hmm. That's something you can, those are all things you can go work on. And you got a really good opponent this upcoming Saturday to go up against in Cal Poly, who I believe is fourth in the Big West. They were fourth last, I it's knew. It's actually all tied right now. Oh so my goodness. Santa Barbara is on the top at seven and two, just simply because they have that one more game. But Irvine, Cal Poly, and Hawaii are all sitting at six and two. Yeah. So another big one. And a, luckily for UH, an opportunity for them to come back out and kind of wash that bad taste out of their mouth Mm -hmm. very quickly with an opportunity against another quality program to show that, hey, that one game on Thursday, that was an aberration. It happens every once in a while. We are the top team that everybody expected and go back to the cruising that we've seen so far through eight games of conference conference play. Yeah, so they're on the road. Ideally, you you want to split, so... 
big game at Cal Poly for the Rainbow Wahine. On the men's side, though, as we just mentioned, Cal Poly is 0 for, 0 for 8 in the conference play right now, who the men play tomorrow, and Hawaii just right ahead of them in the conference standings at 2-6, and 6, which is really tough for us Hawaii fans to wrap our head around because it, I don't remember the last time they've been in the bottom of the half of the conference where you're already midway through. We're always competitive every year. Like, I know... People tend to have their complaints about Iran. You know, hey, whatever fans like have their own opinions about fans coaches. Are allowed to have their opinions. But we're competitive every single season that he's been here. And at the end of the day, we just we want to compete. And I know it gets frustrating when we go to the tournament and they get knocked out in the first day. Trust me, we make the trip to the tournament in Las Vegas. But you're still competing every single season where this season it just feels different and to see the actual standings and for us to be that low is just a very very different thing to take in hopefully they can start really figure something out now there is no more sex so yes you need to completely turn things around I do want to get on the positive note though for the men's side because even though the team and it feels like they've regressed. I do want to give a lot of credit to Juan Munoz because he's solid and he seems like the more reps he gets in, he's becoming the player that we expected him to be. I mean, his court vision is unbelievable. Like Juan Munoz, like his vision is like the, some of the passes that he makes. I'm not even seeing like the guy that was open, but putting up 12 points yesterday, but just being a solid overall player getting that start that he so much deserves and even Akita Jacobs playing 15 minutes yesterday getting four points but probably expect him to get a little bit more rebounds but as he hopefully gets comfortable starts you know getting stronger he'll he he is someone that has started to look good like he looks better and better so he's progressing as the season goes on as he gets reps right and I think once he starts getting that hopefully a little more dog I guess you could say for lack of a better term but he's built very well he's very long he is starting to get his shooting confidence so he's getting there so with Juan and Akira like it's good to see a couple of players get better every time we see them out can we all do that though <laughs> that's that's what you hope for this next 12 game stretch for the bows where you want the development to continue for the young guys especially. You really hope Akira almost takes off mm-hmm. over these next 12 games and he grabs a role where he's like, hey, I'm the starter. I'm the guy who's taken Justin McCoy's spot next year. Like when McCoy graduates, I'm the one that's going to step into the role. You don't need to go in the transfer portal to fill that. That's my spot. Mm-hmm. That's what you hope to see from Akira Jacobs to close out this season. You hope Tom Beatty starts to show like hey you know I'm I'm a six foot five guard man like I know we've been small next year we're going to be a lot bigger in the backcourt when I take that spot mm-hmm. that's what you hope to see as this second half of the year goes because if that happens we talked about it there's veteran leadership on this team there are good quality players on this team and if the young guys are able to hit their you know hit their stride that kind of puts the pressure on the older guys, and the older guys know what it takes to be successful. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about a Javon McClanahan or a Noel Coleman or a Bernardo Da Silva or any of those guys, you know, 
seeing a younger guy have some success and then shutting down. In fact, I would say the opposite for them where they would see a younger teammate having success and say, all right, I got to step my game up and lead by example. That's what you hope to see over these final 12 games. And then all of a sudden, all you need to do is dance your way into the tournament. And if you play your best basketball at the end of the year, all... What is it they they say it's a Cinderella run, right? <laughs> I know that's a Sounds really weird for really because like I said, we're always at least in the middle, maybe top half of the conference. So, yeah, Cinderella Cinderella run is what we're hoping for. <laughs> Listen, I'm positive, Paul. For a reason, I know. Okay, <laughs> I feel like I'm being realist, Michael, right now. <laughs> Shout out our Michael Escaro. He's <sighs> he's positive. Paul is positive. Paul. Who is usually positive, and then Michael dubs himself the realist. So we, we've got. I think we actually here. have a pretty good spectrum. Yeah. I would say like <laughs> I'm probably the most positive. You uh, would be like positive, but closer to the realistic side. <laughs> Michael Allen. That's that's how I would. Allen Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alan Kyle, pessimistic. That's so funny. Uh, that, that's the best way I think I could put it. Put it on a spectrum, just like that. The HSRN oh, spectrum. That is so true. That is so true. Um, last thing though, again, just to, to just to end it on a happy and positive note with Akira Jacobs. He's still very and uh, reminding everyone, this guy is a true freshman. He's 18 years old. He's, he's a baby. Yeah, he's going to like hopefully put on some muscle in the off season, come back stronger every single year. And his body's still developing, but he's still very much, um, I guess, the soft-spoken, very, like how we see the culture in Japan. Like, that's very much him because we were trying to uh, call him over at, at the end of the game because there were, like, these fans that were behind us. Um, and they were trying to call him and we're like, Akira, come, like, say hi to these people. And he just wasn't sure what to do because he's like, oh, I got to I gotta leave. You know, like, he doesn't want to break the rules of not going into the <laughs> locker room when he should. So it's like, no, it's okay. Just come and say hi. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, like you could tell the whole time he was like worried about like not going to the locker room when you're supposed to go and but that's just the kind of human he is and it's very that's the culture that he was raised and I look forward to seeing more of this kid and I hope that yeah he's going to continue to develop so I'm glad he's starting to get in there and get that and he was 100% from the free throw line two for two so hey you know coach Koo is happy (laughs) yeah coach Koo that's it, Akira. All right, we got to step aside. When we come back, we will talk about the NFL because it's NFL weekend, baby. <gasps> Football. Football. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kule Akbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. Let's wake up in the den. Kule Agbayani and Paul Brett. Mahalo for tuning in this and every weekday morning. Don't forget, you guys can text us. Don't be shy. We don't bite. At 808-888-KG1. That's 808-888-5481. We don't bite. They just agree with everything we say. Exactly. They don't want to feel I know like they're we can repeating be, us. I know we can be very intimidating because of all of the joy that That's we exude. The word. <laughs> all of the joy that we exude on the radio. So when nobody wants to <laughs> you and me, I'm like, yeah, we are intimidating people. <laughs> oh, you never gosh. know. I'm just saying. Uh, by the way, like, uh, ra- last thing, wrapping up our basketball conversation. 
Oh my gosh. Can Hawaii Pacific University men's basketball, Jesse, if you're listening, can you guys like stop with these stressful games? Like every single game that's competing in. Unfortunately, yesterday's game did not go in the Sharks' favor, falling to Point Loma 78-75 in overtime. So yes, another overtime game for Jesse Nakanishi and his staff. But hey, they're this, this is the type of games you need. They they go into it. Are they still without Matt Van Komen too? Like, so, I mean, that's another huge piece. Just like we talked about UH women's basketball where they don't have Brooklyn Rewers. You don't got seven-footer Matt Van Komen for Hawaii Pacific University, but they're still, you know, keeping close in these games. And, oh, man, if you look at the other PacWest game, Fresno Pacific and Westmont went to four overtime Fresno Pacific coming out on top 95-94. That's one thing I'm surprised hasn't happened with HPU is like a more than a single overtime, overtime game. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it is uh it's been a fun year in the Pac West. Yeah. And, and credit to Fresno Pacific as well, who came into the year and I think they were actually kind of picked to finish towards the bottom of the Pac West, and they've been really, really competing all throughout. And uh, nonetheless, they're they're right in the thick of it, right there. Like you said, playing us four overtimes was that what you said? Yep, over oh Westmont. Oh my goodness gracious! And they win by one. Woo! One of the <sighs> teams. See, and it's weird because we look at Shamanad. So Shamanad reminds me similar to of UH, where the expectation for Shamanad because we called those games in the Maui Invitational, and they looked talent wise, they are a solid team. But then you look, and then they lose seventy-one fifty-eight to Azusa Pacific, and they've they just have not gotten to where I thought they would be. A lot more competitive this year, um, which has been kind of the surprise for me. Just like like I said, just like the UH men's side, where we've saw we saw the talent like pre-conference schedule, and then inconsistencies. Yeah, a lot with Shamanad have have sunk the Silver Swords a little too much, and. Um, I mean, once again, I just said it. The Pac West has been absolutely bonkers this year. Matthew Van Komen, he's been working his way back up. There was an outside chance that he was going to play yesterday against Point Loma. Obviously, he did not make his way back yet. So, seven games now missed for the seven foot four transfer center out of St. Mary's for Jesse Nakanichi's squad. They are hoping to get him back here relatively soon and. They really could use him back, being that they still have their, their pretty big road trips coming on up and uh, going to need a lot of wins and to continue stacking wins on the mm-hmm. road at that where uh, things have not been as kind to the Sharks. Uh, they're, what, 8-3 and three at home now at this point and about 500 on the road and maybe a game under 500 on the road. So it, it's going to be important for the Sharks to get things in gear on the continent here upcoming. Yeah. Nonetheless, they're still sitting at fourth in the conference, six and four, right behind Biola, who is seven and four, and Hawaii Hilo right behind the Sharks at six and five. And then as we mentioned, Shamanad just not having the season that we expected. They are last in the Pac West conference at three and ten. Going on in the women's side for a quick update. Uh the Hawaii team is not having their best seasons either, where Hawaii Hilo is sorry, one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, seventh in the conference, and they are the highest uh, ranked team in the conference right now at three and seven. Hawaii Pacific, a couple of uh, 
spots behind them, but also at three and seven. And then Chaminade, the women's side, is last in the Pac West Conference at one and eleven. So it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting race down the stretch. All right, time to get to some foosball. Chiefs, Ravens, Lions, Niners. I love how we did like put in these sound effects and we continue to make our own sound effects. I, it's, it's because <laughs> that's just, you know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. We just make our own sound effects, even though we put those sounds in there. Uh, but first game up, Ravens and Chiefs. Uh, odds via BetMGM, they are the three and a half point favorite. Total set at 44 and a half. If you like the Chiefs, a little bit of a sprinkle on the money line. They are at plus 165. A, a little sprinkle. Sprinkle. I'm actually quite, I'm surprised, but not surprised. I think people just don't know what to expect out of this Chiefs team because they, we've said it before, their defense has been really solid. However, the offense is probably the worst in terms of talent wise that we've seen from this very dominant Chiefs squad ever since Patrick Mahomes uh, took over under center. But that's the key. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Andy Reid. So I said it. Prior to last weekend's game against the Bills, once the receivers decide to start catching passes, then things will get very different. And that last, because Patrick Mahomes can win you games. But I, I like what they, the two quarterbacks said about each other, that being Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson was asked like, oh, what do you like about playing against Patrick Mahomes? And he's like, I don't like playing against him at all. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I who don't. likes who likes to play? Like, who can say? I know they're trying to get that answer. Like, you know, he's the politician answer. He's a very good quarterback. He's a comp- competitor, yada, yada, yada. And I love that answer. Like, I don't. Like, that's so, like, why would you want to play? And I always hate, though, that question in general when they ask quarterbacks about playing against other quarterbacks because you're not technically playing against them on the field you know so like that question never makes sense to me where they ask quarterbacks to talk about competing against each other because they don't yeah I they don't that question so it always bugs me but I had to throw out that answer where he's like I don't like competing against him I'm like yeah because nobody wants to compete against Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback that this generation has ever seen he's the most talented player we've ever seen in our life with all due respect to tom brady tom brady's the most accomplished quarterback Mm -hmm. to ever play the game patrick mahomes does things that i just i it my brain cannot fathom at i mean was it last year where he was like getting or two seasons ago where he was like getting tackled and he kind of like side armed it and threw it like into the ends. It was I think incredible. It was last year, but it was I don't crazy, know. I know the, those are the everyone types knows of the play you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Cause he does those kinds of things. And it's and on the regular like, too. Yeah. Where it's, it's come on, Patrick, do something cool. Like, come on. It's starting to get a little, yeah. With that <laughs> said, it's going to be really fun though, to see him go up against Lamar because Lamar at the height of his powers after tweeting out Johnny back earlier in the year, <laughs> have you seen, you've seen that? I hope for people who haven't seen that, there's like this, this meme on the internet uh, going on where Lamar Jackson responded to the, one of those like word problems. Uh, and the answer was Johnny. And since he answered Johnny, the Ravens are like 12 and one and he's put up like these MVP type statistics. The people update it after every single week's games 
So Lamar Jackson, well on his way to win his second MVP award. He does some pretty otherworldly things as well. I'm really excited. Really, really excited to see this one simply because it feels almost like that Bills-Chiefs game from a couple years ago where the 13 seconds game Mm -hmm. where it's like whoever has the ball last in this game might end up being the ones who win. And that's with all due respect to two elite defenses. It's just you have two magicians under center for both sides and that's the the part right like you look at the total again 44 and a half which is you're kind of disappointed because you have two elite quarterbacks leading their offenses but as he as Paul just said like their defense is on both sides are like so dominant so I understand why it's set so low but I really hope that this flies way over because this is the type of game that you almost expect and you want to see Go down to the wire, but at the same time, go to the wire because each team is scoring like 25 plus points each. And then, like you said, and it's going to come down to that final 13 seconds, which whoever it'll be one of those like either team could be down a touchdown with. Yeah, like not even as long as there's still time on the clock. If the team that is losing has the ball on offense, like you're not going to count them out because anything you don't can feel good <laughs> no you don't feel good if you're the team on defense that's for sure that's why that three and a half man getting that <laughs> i feel sorry for some of the sports betters and according to the weather in baltimore 49 degrees so that is comfortable football say, weather that is so comfortable but uh we got to step aside so we'll come back talk a little bit about the lions niners and give you some oi basketball updates to wrap it up on wake up in the tent Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Hey, I am worried that we're ticking down to the end of football season. At least University of Hawaii football, spring football starts next week, so... That's a good thing. (laughs) So at least we will still get some football like after this, because after this weekend, you won't have NFL football for a couple of weeks. And then, but at least we'll have UH football to look forward to. So big weekend. And looking over to the Lions and 49ers, the Niners are the seven point favorite, seven and a half in some other places, but seven points at BetMGM. Line total or total set at 51 and a half. Lions, the plus 275 underdog on the money line. And when you take a look at the futures, the Lions are, dang it, this is the totally sprinkle sprinkle on the Lions. Uh, 49ers, surprisingly, still the favorite to win the Super Bowl at plus 145. The Ravens at plus 180. The Chiefs, plus 380. And the Lions at 8-1. to one. And the subplot, though, for the Lions, I didn't realize this. I saw this posted up by Sportico that... They have the chance to add to the first-timer of title games. So during the 2023 season, the Denver Nuggets won the NBA title for the first time. The Vegas Golden Knights took the NHL Stanley Cup for the first time. And the Texas Rangers won their first World Series. So can the Detroit Lions, the Cinderella squad of the Detroit Lions, where it feels like the 0-16 season really wasn't that long ago that we were just not even, they were just, eh, they're the Lions. They were the easy win on the schedule for the Bears. 
And could they add to the first time and make it in the four major sports that in one season we have first time champs? If that changes the storyline a little bit. <laughs> That's so crazy. <sighs> it's I like picked it's, them to win that, that conference did. championship, but I didn't pick them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I think if they win the conference championship, I'm going to regret that because I said it before. This is the team of destiny if they can f- get over this final hump, this final step. The 49ers have, uh, without without question, have been the best team in the NFC this season. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl and have been for, like, majority of the season. But, God, this, Ra- or this Ravens team, the Lions team, they just, the both of them, there's a reason they they are my pick to to play each other. They both have that that feel where I mentioned it before. The Ravens they have Lamar Jackson, who's in his second MVP season. Their defense has been phenomenal. And you then have the John L- Harbaugh that's been here before and that's won a Super Bowl with this team. And then on the opposite end, you have the Lions, who Dan Campbell just everything he said has come to fruition in Detroit. Those guys believe in each other. They play for each other. Jared Goff has done it before. He's been to the Super Bowl before with a pretty good roster around him that believes in him, that uplifts him. And now you have a coach who also believes in him too. I'm excited to see, like, can this Motor City miracle run continue? Can we see a win-win trade that was between the Lions and the Rams with both teams coming out with Super Bowls because of a trade that they made? Like, that would be insane, too, when you, like, look back and realize, hey, it worked out for both teams because you never see that. I was going to say, I'd be interested to go back and look at kind of the history of, like, because there are only so many win-win trades in NFL history, and I don't really know another one off the top of my head, even recently. Um, I mean, it usually works out heavily favored in one side. Like, look at the Chicago Bears well, and the Carolina Panthers that's recently. Kind of the thing where, got a great receiver and got a first overall well, pick. The reason the Jets were able to kind of rebuild the foundation of their franchise was they traded away Jamal Adams, and the Seahawks thought they were going to compete for a Super Bowl, so they thought they could trade away two first-round picks. And those picks end up being Elijah Vera Tucker and Garrett Wilson who are two phenomenal players for the Jets, and now the Seahawks are ready to cut Jamal Adams. Like I said, these trades, like you just mentioned, the Panthers-Bears, these trades almost never work out in favor for both sides. And, I mean, you do have to toss the draft picks on in there as well because they are part of it. Jared Goff wasn't just the only thing. The Lions just had one of their greatest drafts of all time. I'm curious, actually, our our friend Kanoa Leahy, how he feels oh, about. Oh, that's why. I'm like, I was gonna say, I it, it pains me to cheer for the Lions just because they're in the same division as the Bears. Yeah. But I'm gonna cheer for my friend Kanoa Leahy, which the Reindeer Posse is still trying to find a place to watch the games this Sunday. As I mentioned, uh, two of our Reindeer Posse members, one is a Lions fan, Kanoa, and then the other is a. a Niners fan. The Niners fan is he's like I get psychotic. Nobody come. We're trying to force our way to his house, and he's like, "Don't, do not show up. Show up. <laughs> knock like, on the door. Do not show up. Five minutes before so, kickoff. Knock to on find the door. Our, our reindeer posse where we're gonna go. But um, uh, uh, this was interesting though that 
DK Sportsbook. 52% of the bets and 62% of the money are on the Ravens at minus four uh, being the line. And then 69% of the bets and 51% of the money on Lions plus seven and a half. So, so if I, that's an indication of where the public is going. I also would have leaned the seven and a half yeah. in terms of the Lions because when you said it, I couldn't believe that the line so, was know, that much. I know. I felt it was borderline disrespectful to Detroit, mm-hmm. especially considering what they've done over the past few weeks uh, against good competition. I don't know, man. I don't I don't see it being, especially with the 49ers scraping their way know, through. Debo Samuel's not going to be 100% this weekend. No matter what they try and tell us, he's not going to be 100%. I know that. So Brock Purdy has been a significantly different quarterback without Debo Samuel. Yeah, Hopefully the... I think if the weather is okay, then we'll see the 49ers team that we're used to seeing. I think Brock Purdy struggled a lot with the like the dampness of the football. That's why like when he was releasing the ball, you're like, oh my gosh, when did he turn into this like inaccurate quarterback? Whoa, this guy looks <laughs> like he should have been drafted like Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. So we'll see what happens in the game this weekend. But, oh man. I'm going to be excited to talk about whatever happens on Monday. Hopefully we just get two games as someone that doesn't have a dog in the fight, just cheering for friends, teams to win. I'm like, I just want to see two games because I think the teams that have made it this far are the teams that have been the best down the stretch. And it can go either way. Like whoever wins, it's what it'll be one of those like, nah, I'm not surprised because all of these teams is exactly where down the stretch you're like, yep, they deserve to be here. So it's going to be a fun time. And no injuries. Because I want a Super Bowl at yes, everybody's top powers. All right. So coming up uh, later today, we have OIA Girls Basketball, Minilani, and Moana Lua. So tune in at 6 for Paul Brecht. I'm Kyle, Kyle Colterra. I'm Kule Agbiani. Bye. <laughs>